Many people may not realize that college students are struggling with their mental health, and that includes, of course, college men. And on this episode of The Anthony Bradley Show, I'll be having a discussion with two men from the Alpha Tau Omega fraternity at Grand Valley State University. We'll be talking to James, the chapter president, and Lucas, who's also going to join us to discuss brotherhood and mental health and suicide following the tragic loss of one of their fraternity brothers, Quinn Campbell, in December of 2021. Thank you for joining us for this important conversation. So, Lucas and James, thank you for joining us on the Anthony Riley Show. So glad to have you guys join us. Uh, this is the ACO fraternity at Grand Valley State University. James is a, the president of the chapter this year. Uh, Lucas is also a member. He was Quinn's roommate. So we're going to have a conversation both about the fraternity and Quinn's story. So, guys, thank you for joining us on this episode of the Anthony Riley Show. Thank you for having us. Thank we're you. very excited. So I just want to get some background from both of you guys in terms of how you ended up both at, at GVSU and and rushing and pledging uh, ATO. So just some background stuff, uh, James, we'll start with you first. Uh, where, where are you from? What are, what are you majoring in? And what do you hope to be doing after you graduate? Yeah, so uh, I'm from Chesterfield, Michigan. It's about 45 minutes northeast of Detroit. It's right on the Lake St. Clair there uh, on the north side of it. I went to Lons Cruz High School North for my high school. Big shout out to the Crusaders over there. Uh, they allowed me to do a lot of uh, AP programs, which put me ahead. And then while I was going there, I realized that I wanted to go into business to further my education. So I did a quick little Google search on like what in-state colleges offered the best uh, business programs. And Grand Valley was up there in the top three. So I decided that would be the best place to further my academic career. Uh, once I got here, I decided to use those AP credits I earned to start earning a degree in marketing with emphasis on sales and finance. So being dual majored, I was able to still graduate a little bit early. So I'll be graduating after next fall, and then I'll be heading back to the east side where I just accepted an offer to be a financial advisor at one of the local firms over there. Oh, that's awesome. So you're basically going to do college in three years. Is that, that right? Three and a half. Three and a half. James, what's the rush, brother? Come on. It's, it's fantastic being in college. No, it is fantastic being in college. That's what I'm starting to realize. I've worked so hard for my entire life to try and get ahead and start like going on and being an adult. But now that I'm here and my time in college is almost up, I just... I want to pick up another major or maybe a minor and stay here for a little bit longer. It's it's sad that I might be leaving soon. Yeah, that's exactly what I did. I did four and a half years, really in part to get one more football season in. <laughs> I I graduated from Clemson University in South Carolina, go Tigers. And I just love the football culture there. And so I just wanted to do one more football season so I could stay longer. I didn't tell my parents that though. I just told them I needed to take some classes, some extra classes in order to graduate, but it was really just for the one more football season, which was, which was awesome. Lucas, how about you? How did you end up at GVSU and what are you majoring in? And tell us a little bit about what you want to do afterwards. So I'm a sophomore here at Grand Valley. I am in the accounting major program. I wasn't always an accounting major, but that's just kind of the path I've decided to pick now. I'm originally from uh, the east side, Warren, Michigan. How I ended up at Grand Valley 
I was originally set on going to Michigan State, but it just didn't really align with what I wanted. So I ended up uh, just applying to Grand Valley State, and uh, now I'm here. And when you guys were in high school, were you thinking about being in a fraternity? Was that even on your radar? Was your was your dad in one, or how did you? When you were in high school, what were you thinking about about Greek life? For myself personally, I've known that Greek life was the place for me uh, once I got to college. My dad, he was in Beta Xi over at Kettering University when he was in, in college. And we have uh, this wall right by the fridge where they keep all the Cokes and the Pepsis in there. So every time I was a little kid and I'd run up and reach the fridge, I'd see on the wall his composites, uh, the paddle that his little gave him, pictures from his senior year spring break, the long drive championship from uh, their time doing the golf outing and just like this little shrine for what his his favorite time in college being a part of Greek life was. And that I could just tell by the smiles on everyone's faces and the good times that they're having that I wanted to be a part of a community like that. So I knew that once I came to college, I was going to be joining Greek life. Great. How about you, Lucas? In high school, I never really uh, considered even joining a fraternity. Uh, I always knew I wanted to be a part of uh, something bigger and a community, something that I could, uh, I guess, change the community with. Uh, I just never really knew until I uh, started attending college that it was going to end up at a fraternity. So I guess I just rushed and uh, it's the best thing that I've ever done. So what what was it specifically about about ATO when you guys were rushing that made you think, you know what, this is the group of guys I really want to spend the rest of my college years with? Did there, was, there, was there something unique that stood out about the brotherhood, about those relationships initially? The, the biggest thing for me was they, at all the rush events, they put an emphasis on our philanthropy. That's a big thing for the culture of our chapter here is we like to raise a lot of money uh, for charity. We, for the past 10 years, raised money for the National MS Society. We do this annual event every year. It's called uh, ATO Walks Hard. We walk from Traverse City, Michigan, back down to Allendale uh, over a span of eight days. Uh, it's a total of 160 miles, 20 miles a day. And uh, for the past 10 years, we rose money for the National MS Society. We had uh, a lot of brothers who knew people or related to people who had MS. So we designed the walk with the intent in mind of experiencing the physical pain that they experience on a daily basis, trying to live life, but just getting a small taste of that over that eight days to sort of try to understand what they go through. Uh, over those past 10 years, we were able to raise $360,000 uh, for the MS Society. Um, but recently, last winter, one of our, our fraternity brothers, Quinn, took his own life. And we knew that we needed to do something a, a little different. Uh, we had good ties with the MS Society, but we needed to raise money for something that mattered to all of us. So we ended up changing the charity that we raised money for to the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. And we're doing our walk uh, from May 1st through May 8th this year uh, to raise money, sort of to uh, honor Quinn and his memory. How about you, uh, Lucas? What was what was it about, about ATO that made you think, you know, I want to I want to be with these guys in particular? Well, originally, uh, like I said, I, I never really wanted to rush a fraternity in the first place. But uh, my roommate, Quinn, he he rushed ATO and he became a pledge here. And 
And he just kept pushing me to come out to an event, just to come out to the house and meet everybody. And once I finally budged, I came out here. Everybody was just so welcoming. Uh, I One thing that did stick out to me from the other fraternity was uh, the Christian values. And I was always raised in a Christian home. So that was something that really stuck out to me. But also just how welcoming everybody was. Like Jamie mentioned, the philanthropy. I've always liked doing community work and anything just to give back to the community. So when they put a big emphasis on that, uh, that really just stuck out to me. And from everybody being so welcoming, open arms, uh, that truly uh, sealed the deal for me. And you guys have been in for a couple of years or so. I'm, I'm wondering, how would you describe the difference between your friendships in the fraternity that you have now versus the, the, the nature of your friendships in high school? What's What's different about fraternity friendships versus some of the high school ones that you had or or are there any differences how would you how would you describe that all my friendships in high school they're my same friends that i've i've grown up with my entire life like i had a lot of them were either neighbors or friends that i had in my uh, elementary school classes and we just sort of stuck together all throughout high school so there's that that closeness and that bond that was there for from the very beginning so when I came here to college and I didn't have that experience, that's what I was sort of looking for from the fraternity to see if I could form the closeness of those bonds. And it became very apparent to me even before my freshman year was up and before I even moved into the fraternity house that these guys were going to be my brothers for life, that the closeness of our friendship was matching the closeness of my friendship from the people that I had spent my entire life with. So just the the quickness that those bonds were able to be formed, that was a surprise to me. And then just the variety of people that you get to meet here, because we have a couple characters and I got to say, they're some of my favorites. Uh, the stories that some of these guys tell at chapter meeting, uh, they have the whole room falling out of their chairs laughing. So there's just so many aspects of it that are just different um working together with all all of the our friends to work together towards some common goals or to try and achieve something that is an experience that you don't really get anywhere else so i i couldn't be more thankful to be a part of it that's great you know i have this this book that's out called heroic Fraternities, uh, subtitled How College Men Can Save Universities in America. And what you just said is exactly, you're like, I quote in the book almost, what you said is exactly the list of reasons I give at the, at the end of the book in terms of why guys run fraternities. I mean, it is for the for the camaraderie, for the fun, having something, a, a, a mission outside of yourself to do things together that forms those bonds in such a way that do laugh, that do last a lifetime. And a lot of people don't understand that, you know, they, they think sometimes fraternities are just guys just kind of hanging out and drunk, but there's, there's so much more. And those bonds that you just talked about are, are really crucial in, in, in helping you guys thrive in college. I mean, it was, it was for me. And so those are the sorts of reasons. I mean, I, I think I want, I want more people to, to know about it. it. Sounds like your chapter has a really good culture in terms of in terms of forming your, your brotherhood uh, that way uh lucas how, how about you what's what was the difference would you say between your high school friendships and and the ones that you've formed in the fraternity so far so in high school i was uh, i was a part of the wrestling team for four years and uh like you mentioned uh working hard together for uh, like a bigger mission was always uh 
something with the wrestling, excuse me, wrestling team that, uh, you know, we were always trying to win. We were always trying to accomplish a feat. So uh, working hard together in that aspect uh, really brought us together in high school. But difference with the fraternity is just in every aspect of life. Uh, it's working hard in the classroom. It's working hard for these philanthropy events. It's working hard to meet new people and get the biggest pledge class. And since I've moved into the fraternity house, I've really felt every aspect of it. And I feel that's the difference of it is because they see me on my good days. They see me on my worst days. So they really are there for you, you know, sometimes even when you don't want them to be. And that's just the difference I see. And so you guys have a house. I'm hearing that. And how many how many guys are able to live in the house? Uh, we get 26 guys that can live in the house. And how would you describe the nature of that experience? I'm assuming it's fun on the one hand. Yeah. Right? You guys are smiling right now. So that means there's there's stories. Like when I say living in the fraternity house is fun and both you guys start smiling, there's some stories behind that, those smiles for sure. And I'm sure that it's it's also fun. There's probably some challenges that come as well with a, with a, a group of guys. How would you describe what's it like to be in a in, in your house in, in particular? Yeah, so this is actually my second year living in the in the house. I after doing the the required gotta live in the house for a year uh, for the bylaws, I realized that there's no community living experience like this. Like, yes, you're sharing a bathroom with 26 guys. It's sort of like the dorms in that sense, but that's the only thing that's like the dorms. And I I mean, just any time of the day, you could walk down the hallway, someone's door is going to be open. They're either going to be playing Madden or 2K or something like that, or someone's going to be making, like we have a couple DJs in the house uh, this year. So someone's always mixing a beat together, or we have a couple guys that like to freestyle over those beats. There's always something going on. I would say one of the challenges of living in the fraternity house is trying to get that work-life balance. I learned very quickly that you can't do homework here. You have to find another place. Like even though we do have a study room, and if you're able to get in there before three o'clock during the week, it'll be the house will be quiet and you'll be able to focus. But once the guys start getting out of classes, they'll start playing pool. We'll have guys. We just uh, made some new cornhole boards, so they'll start doing that. There's just so much going on all the time. You're you're never bored here. There's no, oh, what am I gonna do today? If you have that thought, you think, oh, let me walk down the hallway and find one of my 26 friends that live with me and see what they're doing. And there's just always someone there to talk to, especially if uh, you're going through something and you need it. Great. How about, how about you, Lucas? How would you describe the your experience in the house so far? Uh, I enjoy it because not there's not one carbon copy of another brother here. Everybody's their own person. And so you just get the different personalities from everybody. You know that if you want to maybe sit back and watch a TV show, there's a guy for that. If you want to play a game, there's a guy for that. If you want to go outside and play some cornhole, there's a guy for that. And I like that, that it's just very uh, easily accessible here. Like he was saying, it is. Uh, it can get hectic at times. I know just a couple of nights ago, uh, it was a Sunday night and there the house was blaring with music. Walls were shaking because we're trying to mix in a new DJ set. And, you know, it's comical and it's a lot of fun, uh, but it, it is not a place that you could do homework. But I appreciate living here because it does instill into your life a good balance. Yeah. I mean, it's a fraternity house. 
you're with 26 of your really good friends. You guys are having a lot of fun. You're connecting and talking and hanging out. It's not supposed to be quiet. I mean, the university yeah. has spaces for that, like the library. You can go You can go get a room somewhere. When I was in college, I would just go to an empty classroom. I would just go to a building that had an empty classroom and just study in there. Yeah. All, sometimes by myself, sometimes with somebody else. But in the fraternity house, you're not supposed, not supposed to be study halls kind of environment. Now, some houses at some universities are massive, and they yeah. do have these massive, massive quadrants of the house where it is quiet. But I think in a context like yours, if you told me, yeah, our house is a is a place where you're not a lot, where you're not able to get a lot of work done after three o'clock, I'm like, perfect. I'm like, that's <laughs> the kind of house. If I was a parent, I'm like, that's the kind of house I want my son in because it means it means that they're actually connecting and having a good time and being being together. Right. And helping each other and serving each other and, and loving on each other. And that's exactly the kind of environment that you want to be in, which is why. Sometimes you don't want to leave, and that's why you don't get any work done because you're having such a great time with your brothers, which is a yeah. great way to spend the you know two one or two years in the in the house. Now, is your house the kind of place where upperclassmen that aren't living there come over and, and hang out? Sometimes, typically, they'll come over and hang out when we host brotherhood events or uh, something along the lines, or if there's like a Super Bowl or something like that. Uh, like some big event will host something at the house and that will draw a lot of the older brothers. GV has a sort of unique structure on how their campus is laid out. They have their Allendale campus and the Grand Rapids campus. Uh, the Grand Rapids campus, that's where the medical school is. That's where the business school is. So with a lot of the seniors being in the business program and like all of their classes being downtown, that's also where conveniently all of the bars are. So as they turn 21, they get into their senior year, they move downtown. You always have a group of fraternity brothers that you still live with. So it's like a mini chapter house. Like it's not officially an annex or anything like that, but they'll, they'll all the upperclassmen will go downtown for their senior year. So getting them out just on a like random Friday night, uh, that's a little bit difficult, but Trust me, they're still experiencing the brotherhood down there just in a smaller group setting. But for the older guys that don't live in that don't go downtown and live here, I would say they they come out uh, quite a bit. Oh, that's awesome. So the way the way the the campus is is laid out, it seems that you have opportunities in your brotherhood to, to no matter where you are almost in the state, <laughs> right? You can be around your brother either on campus there or downtown or even in Grand Rapids. If you go to grad school, you can still hang out with some of the people that you knew when you were an undergrad there, which is super, super awesome. So James, I have some questions really just for you because you're the president. I want to want to give you a chance to sort of pitch if you, you know, kind of pitch ATO to America yeah. here, right? I mean, if there's a, some high school parents listening to this, they're like, should I send my son to Grand Valley State? If I do, what fraternity should he rush and pledge? James, I'm going to give you an opportunity to kind of give your best pitch for why ATO, in your opinion, because you should be saying this is the best fraternity on the entire campus, right? I mean, yeah. you you have to believe this because you're the, you're the president of, of the thing. Yeah. What, what would you say? What would you say makes ATO distinctive? You mentioned the philanthropy. Yes. Well, but what what else? What is it about about ATO that makes it distinctive there on the campus of Grand Valley State University? Well, it's just the quality of the brotherhood. I've had countless members come up to me after they've joined and said that 
they had rushed a lot of the other big fraternities here, but they realized what, as soon as they came to our events, they saw the smiles on everyone's faces, how everyone wasn't just routing them, asking them a ton of questions. It was, hey, come over here, have a conversation. Let's get to know you for you and understand what you like to talk about and really making them feel like they actually have a place here. And that welcoming nature, uh, that attracts a lot of, just a lot of members. And that increases just diversity and personality. So it doesn't matter if you're a theater kid. It doesn't matter if you're a business major. We have them all. Like, we don't have large demographics for each of them, but we have little tastes of pretty much every major here. One of our members, he's uh, an RA on campus and training to be a GV security guard. You don't really hear many fraternity brothers working for the security on campus. Seems like that's something that we would try to avoid, but I think that just speaks volumes to the amount that we allow or, well, not allow because our brothers can they can do whatever they want, but we encourage our brothers to pursue their own goals and push themselves to be the best that they can be. We are a leadership development fraternity. We have every year we reelect 20 leaders for our, our fraternity. We have 11 on our e-board and then we have another nine or 10 uh, appointed positions as well. So it gives them lots of opportunities to step up, take a lead in the fraternity build something that they want to, to build, take something that they're passionate in, uh, introduce it into the fraternity, have fun with it, grow themselves as a person, and come out on the other side uh, just as a more complete individual. That's fantastic. One guy I know at a, a different fraternity on a different campus, he basically described fraternity as a masterclass in leadership development. Yeah. And it sounds like it sounds like your chapter is is really intent on focusing on forming guys so that when they get out, they're not learning leadership skills for the first time after college. They've already had an opportunity to 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 develop those within the context of your fraternity. And my guess is that that might spill over to other parts of the campus where guys are not just leaders in ATO, but the, some of them also, also become leaders of other organizations on campus as well as a way of, of applying those things that they're learning within the fraternity, which is super, super awesome. Man, that's, that's great. Uh, congratulations on, on having that focus. A lot of fraternities don't don't have that. And and the fact that you guys do, I think, puts you guys ahead of the pack in, in that way. It's so crucial. It's so crucial for guys to come in and know that when they leave the fraternity, they're going to be a much better man than when they when they came in. And that you guys are committed as brothers to investing in each other, making sure that that happens. And it sounds like you guys are, are more than willing to, to do that with the, the kinds of things that you do. And as you mentioned, you're, you have fun while you're doing it, which is so so cool and crucial as, as well. I'm going to read the creative of HEO. I got it from the, the website. And what I, I want to ask you, and maybe James, I can, sorry, Lucas, I can get you in on this one as well. Just like sort of, I'm going to read it. And then you guys can both tell me what parts of that really mean a lot to you and why. So I'll lay it out here. And then you guys can respond and tell me what stands out to you in the fraternity creed and, and why that, that part is, is important, important to you. So it says that ATO exists to bind men together in a brotherhood based upon eternal and immutable principles with a bond as strong as right itself and as lasting as humanity. 
to know no north, no south, no east, no west, but to know man as man, to teach that true men the world over should stand together and contend for supremacy of good over evil, to teach not politics, but morals, to foster not partisanship, but the recognition of true merit wherever found, to have a narrow were limits within which to work together for the elevation of man than the outlines of the world. These were the thoughts and hopes utmost in the minds of the founders of the Alpha Tau Omega fraternity. So hearing hearing that, hearing that that creed that I got from the website, can you guys just tell me a little bit about any parts of that that really jump out at you that are really, really important to you and why? So for me, it's near the beginning. It's to know no north, no south, no east, no west, but to know man as man. The whole theme of the creed, I think you, you probably picked up on it, but it's we don't discriminate against anyone. If you are someone who can actually add value or you could gain value from the fraternity, we welcome you with open arms. That's the mindset that I've taken, especially with my leadership in the fraternity since I I've gained the president's chair, um, but ever just being a general member, that's something that I embodied. It didn't matter who walked up uh, during our rush events. I made sure I talked to every single one. I tried to understand who they were as a person, and then I would sort of like direct them to the person that would uh, sort of match their personality type uh, the best. Actually, like one of the people we have right now is a uh, a foreign exchange student. Uh, from from Britain. Uh, so the fact that we were able to get him over here, learn from his culture, have him learn from ours, it's been it's been a really cool experience. And I think that just speaks volume to us, not caring where you're from, who you are, but to recognize you as an individual person and to see the potential values that not only you could bring, but you could gain from this experience. And so what I'm hearing and and I've as I'm listening here on our conversation, it sounds like you guys are not promoting a stereotype. That is, in order to be an ATO, you have to look a certain way and dress a certain way and be a certain way. It sounds like what I'm hearing that you actually care about the man. Yes. Right? Like you actually care. So what you're doing is what the creed says to know man as man. You care about the person, who he is, not that he fits this model or this mold. Right. So so you're not looking for someone to fit into some random uh, caricature of what you want someone in A2 to be like. But you guys actually care about the person, who he is, his heart, his story and things like that. That's that's super, super awesome. Uh, Lucas, how about how about for you? What what part of the the creed sort of jumps out of you and why? It mentions uh, working together for the elevation of man and the outlines of the world. Mm. And I'm not speaking man uh, like James and I right here. I'm speaking man as the whole society as a community uh that's why we put such an emphasis on our community service and our philanthropy even uh in our day-to-day lives uh if you see somebody falling behind you pick them up uh we have study groups in case you're falling behind in class we have a lot of guys in this chapter go to the gym so there's always somebody that you can go get a good lift in with it's just about picking everybody up and just uh giving somebody morality i guess around the whole community as a whole yeah, that's really great. I, I think a lot of people don't realize that fraternity brothers really do a lot to support each other and, and to keep each other accountable to being excellent men and that you guys actually care about that and, and want to do that. And like I said earlier, 
you join ATO, you pledge it. And then when you're a senior and you're graduating, you're just a much better man than you were when you, when you started. And that's because you guys are really sharpening each other and, and really in, investing in that. And I hope, I hope gentlemen that you're not skipping leg day. I just want to put that out there. Do not skip <laughs> leg day. You can get as little no. as you want, upper, you know, upper body, but you cannot do not skip uh, leg day. Make sure you're, you're doing that. And that's part of the accountability, right? We got to do yeah. leg day, bro. We got to do. Need to. Need to. Yes, ab- absolutely. Absolutely. So I'd like to transition now and ask you about the story of Quinn Campbell. He was a brother of yours who had recently pledged your fraternity and tragically lost his life to suicide in the fall of his freshman year in December of 2021. I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about that story and how you came to discover that Quinn uh, took his life and what impact that had on your fraternity and its culture. I guess I'll, I'll go first for this one. Uh, I I had just gotten back uh, from the library that night, and uh, I walked into the house. And as I'm walking to the house, I hear sirens on sirens on sirens heading towards campus, and I didn't know what was going on. I went and I sat down on my like in my room and started doing my typical nightly routine. And I just I heard a knock on the door and. Uh, one of my brothers, his name's Jesse. He came up and he's like, "Hey, I need to, I need to talk to you really quick." And he asked me if I, if I heard about Quinn. And I was, I thought that it was something to do with like his membership. I was like, "Oh, did he drop?" And he just said, "No." Do you hear the sirens? Those, those, we think those are for him. So we got everyone to the house together as a community, and we just started supporting each other. There was a lot of denial in the room, not thinking that something like that could actually happen. Because I think, especially for a large majority of the chapter, it blindsided all of us. It wasn't something that we saw coming. And it, it yeah, no, it was just a, a really, a really rough time, uh, especially like at the, at the start in those following days. And so what year was he and how long had he been in, in the fraternity? So he was a freshman actually. And he just got initiated right before he took his life. Um, so what, what time of year was that? Would that have been? It, uh, December, um, early December. And how many weeks did you guys normally pledge there? Uh, the, the entire fall semester. Uh, okay. So yeah, he, our, our rush events were the first week of the year. Um, like, well, the first week that we let you do your classes and get your syllabus week done. But then as soon as like that was done, we bring them out for rush events. And he was someone that uh, stood out to all of us. I mean, he's had, he had the best hair I've ever seen. He had luscious locks. He, he looked like a rock star. And every time he smiled, it lit up the room. He made sure he had a conversation with everybody. He was probably one of the most sociable people I've ever met. And when I say he brightened the mood in every single room that he walked into just with his presence, his demeanor, everything like that. I mean, I, he, he was one of the best of us. He was someone that we all look to as this is a future leader of our fraternity. This is someone that is capable of doing great things and bringing us together as a chapter. We just didn't think that it would it would happen in the way that it did. 
Right. And, and Lucas, he was your roommate. And can you, can you tell us a bit about what you remember about him, how you enjoyed him first meeting him? What did you think about the kind of guy that he was and and what your relationship was like there in, in your room that you shared together? I mean, moving today, I remember it. He jumped up instantly and just started helping me unpack my things. He had moved in before me. So he, uh, yeah, he instantly jumped up, uh, helping hand and just, uh, just the way he composed himself. He was a very confident guy. Uh, he was not scared of anybody, anything. He, uh, he would go into any situation with, uh, his head held high. He, he actually, uh, helped me break me out of my shell a little bit. He definitely was, uh, he was a kind-hearted dude. He definitely a ladies' man as well. Uh, he had a good way with his words. He, uh, he introduced me actually to the fraternity. So I, uh, I wouldn't be here right now if it wasn't for him. And, uh, I appreciate him with that. We would, uh, we would always bounce fun facts off of each other. We both were very sharp-minded people. We took interest in a lot of the same things. Uh, we play video games late at night. We go to the gym together, go to the cafeteria together. We really kind of intertwined our lives together. And, uh, that was, uh, that was something I really appreciated uh, about him as a friend and as a roommate that uh, we both had a common respect with each other. And there, uh, there wasn't never really a dull moment with him. Yeah. So it, it sounds like you guys had a great relationship as his roommates and you mentioned that it was blind, right? So at, at GVSU, they just put you guys together. You didn't tr- sort of, is that, is, yeah. that, is that right? Yeah. I, uh, I texted him. Uh, it was a couple times over the summer once I got my assignment and, uh, we're just like, all right, I'm moving in on this day. You're moving in on this day. Sweet. I'll see you there. And then, uh, once we move in, it was, uh, people thought we, we went to high school together. We were long friends. We just like that. We were just, just uh, just hit it off. And do you remember a point where you realized, you know what, this is, I'm, I'm actually pretty, pretty blessed to have this guy as my, as my roommate. Was that, was it immediate? Did it take a while? Or how would you describe it, like, you know, uh, if it wasn't immediate, it was, uh, it was like a weekend, you know? I mean, immediately the bond was there. You could tell that we both uh, we liked each other, and it just it just kept growing from there. It was all up from there. We just kept hitting it off, and the more and more we talked, the more and more we found uh, that we had similarities, that we took interest in the same things, and that truly just grew our bond together, and we just took on Grand Valley as a whole. And what was he majoring in? Was he studying business or something like that? I think he was undecided. He, okay. he didn't know what he wanted to do, but uh, I know he was just in his gen ed classes right then and there. Great. And so for either one of you, uh, you know, w- what often happens in, in these situations is people don't realize that, that our brothers are struggling and then they they do something pretty tragic. And then you find all this stuff out after the fact. Uh, was there any indication on your on your side that he was he was struggling internally did you did you have a sense of that he he never really mentioned something in the present moment but uh he did mention in the past that he was struggling with something and he would always say that he was over it and not to worry and you know i took his word on it he was very convincing and you know i always would go the extra step and make sure he was okay but it was just you know i'm fine i'm okay so there was never really a set indication about something about him and his mannerisms never really changed. They were, uh, 
they were pretty clear cut since when I first met them to, you know, so I can't really see any indication. I didn't see him distancing himself. It was. Yeah. yeah it's, it's actually pretty, pretty common uh, that way uh, in terms of, of not knowing because they often are the, the liveliest people at the party. They're the most social. They're actually often are, are the people telling those jokes and, and things like that. Uh, James, you're, you're going to add something there. Yeah, I, I was just gonna say from my my perspective, like not someone as his roommate, like I lived in the house at the time. I would see him and Lucas would come over and practice their pool skills because I mean that's something that we do a lot here is we play a lot of pool. And it was about two weeks, the two weeks leading up to finals week, which was um the, the weekend before is when he tragically took his life. Uh he wasn't coming around as much. And when we we talked like I, I sort of picked up on it, but when I was asking around, I was like, hey, where's Quinn? I haven't seen him in a while. Everyone just said, oh, we talked to him. He's studying. He's like wanting to finish the semester strong. And I was like, okay, good on him. I'll I'll let him focus up. And I guess that wasn't exactly the case. Um, but I, I hindsight's 2020. I, I guess I could have reached out, but it didn't it didn't seem necessarily out of the ordinary. The the night that it happened, uh, I was actually told the same thing. He said I was uh, going out with uh, our other suite mates. Uh, so it was uh, it was a suite uh, four person. I was his roommate. And then we had a bathroom that connected uh, us to two other roommates. I was going out with them. Uh, I had finished all my work for the week. And he said that he was just going to go to the library and he had a f- paper to finish. You know, totally normal. Nothing you'd expect. It's week before finals. so. There was no reason not to believe what he was saying. Absolutely. And that's so, so common as I've sort of tracked through some of the situations like this and other chapters of fraternities across the country. It's just sort of normal behavior. And then the person tragically takes their life. And I think a lot of times the brothers feel like they should have, could have, would have you know, kind of ruminates. I wish I reached, I wish I'd done that. But there was really nothing out of, out of the ordinary that would have primed someone to, to do that. And I think had there been, in most cases, they would have. And so I think sometimes there's this sort of feelings of guilt and maybe some shame and a regret that the guys did not do as much as they could have. But you really can only do the best that you can with the information that you have. And if he seems seemed okay and he said he's he's okay and and you've only known him for you know just a few months. I guess in, in some cases, uh, there's not a lot, a, a lot you you could have done. How would you guys describe how it changed both you personally, and then maybe the maybe the brotherhood? How would you describe how it how it affected you and the culture of your of your chapter? So for myself personally, I took it I took it pretty hard um, dealing with with mental health. That's something that I not to that degree, but I struggled with so to see that he was struggling with it and i couldn't do anything about it or i didn't pick up on the signs that made me realize that there was more that i could be doing just throughout my day-to-day i don't need to wait for those signs so i have been preaching having mental health uh in the forefront of people's minds uh i've been trying to be there as a resource anytime I hear anyone is down. I tell them that they can use me as a resource that I may not have the the training of going to an actual therapist, but 
I will be there to listen. I'm not going to try and give you advice, but you will be heard. And I just try and make sure that message is out there. Even if I'm not close with you and you just need a place to vent, just come to me. So that's something that I just started doing personally. Uh, as a chapter, um, we we always we always did something called uh, small groups where we get groups of six to 10 guys uh, together and it's just a free-flowing conversation. There's three or four fun little prompt questions that like we would ask and then you'd go around uh, the room and it sort of like breaks the ice a little bit. But then after that, it's just a free-flowing conversation. You can talk about uh, anything that like you need help with. You can just have a conversation with guys. It's allowed the chapter to get a lot um, closer and meet some of the guys that they wouldn't necessarily have met in these large group settings because they hang out with different groups. So doing the small group uh, aspect, that is something that we've increased since Quinn's passing. We try to do more of them to make sure that these bonds are being made, that people know that they can talk to us, that it's an open environment that we're each other's brothers. What they say in those rooms aren't going anywhere else. Like we're here for each other. And then, as I mentioned before, we changed our philanthropy event. Like we've worked very closely with MS Society for so long, but we reached out to them and we told them what happened and that we needed to make a change for these reasons. There was nothing against them. They were very, very supportive of us. Um, so now that we're using the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. There's a lot of fire behind the guys and getting that that walk put together and trying to raise a lot of money for, for Quinn to make sure that a story like his doesn't have to happen again, that those who need the help can get it. And uh, that's that's all that we're really trying to accomplish with that. How about you? Uh, Lucas, he was he was your roommate, and I'm, I'm sure yeah. you're, you're pretty pretty devastated by it. How did it how did it affect you? And did you change the way that you lived in the in the house and with your brothers? Yeah, so uh, you know, I'd see that kid day in day out. I knew what he was eating for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and his favorite snacks, all of that stuff. And it uh, it really, I went through a phase of beating myself up over it because if I could know all those things about him, know his mannerisms, and just not see this coming, be blindsided by it. Uh, it really took a toll on me uh, and beat me up. And it made me uh, rethink how I go about my friendships with people. And uh, it, that took a long phase to get over that. But how I've, uh, how I've grown from that and how I've uh, changed from that is, you know, I've always, uh, I make more of an emphasis to reach out, not just to go hang out with somebody, but, you know, to know how somebody's doing like in a deeper way. I, uh, I try to be a rock for people that may be struggling with the same issues that he was and just know that I, I am a person that they can talk to, especially in our community. College can get hard, as everybody knows. So I really just try to uh, I try to ensure that, you know, maybe we can avoid this in the future and that people know that I can be a safe person to come and talk to. Yeah, I think it's important for people to to recognize and, and remember, James, I think I think you said it perfectly like you're not there to give advice uh, but you are there to listen and people know that in the fraternity because the brotherhood is so solid that it's a it's a safe place to be vulnerable and to talk about the good the bad and the ugly 
And I think what's important for people to say, especially because you're on a university campus, there's a counseling center on campus. Then that you guys will recommend that people go see someone. You'll defer to someone, right? And you can help them get help uh, if they if they need help, right? Some issues may be greater than than others, but for the really hard things, because you're on a university campus, because there's resources there, you will help your brothers get help. And I think I think it's important for guys to know that when you're in a fraternity, you're 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 not just you're not just with a brotherhood, but you're with people who are going to work on your behalf to make sure that you get the help and the and the resources that you that you need. Our campus is uh, actually very very supportive in that in that field. We, as students, as long as you don't have like you're not actively seeking help on your own and like have an actual therapist that like you talk to on a regular basis, you get ten free counseling sessions uh, each school year. So that's something that I keep reminding the chapter that they have those to use. It's already in our tuition. So you might as well, you might as well go and use it and get that help. Like it may not seem like the biggest issue in your mind, but just talking to someone to deal with the stress of college, the stress of just managing, setting up your the rest of your life. That's a lot that people have to deal with. And I think the culture of just men in general is we don't like to be vulnerable. We don't like to talk about what's bothering us. We want to be that rock and that pillar for everyone else. But at the end of the day, we need to take care of ourselves and using those counseling sessions. That is a way that we can do that. Uh, Grand Valley also has what they call the care program. The care program is a portion of GV's website. You just go to the search bar and you type in care And you're able to anonymously report that someone that you know, you've noticed, they've been mentally struggling. They're not willing to go and seek the help out on their own, but you can't sit there as a bystander. So you can go and anonymously report to the counseling center that someone is struggling and that they should be reached out to. So, And then that just prompts a call from one of the counselors. They try talking to them, see what's going on, and see if they can convince them to already to go in for a session and, and get the help that they need. So that's something that we communicate to the chapter uh, quite heavily, making sure that they know those resources are there. Because college, while it's the best times of our lives, it's not always the easiest. So using the resources that we have available is something that we, we place quite the emphasis on. Yeah, I think I think you you said it well about about men not wanting to be vulnerable and not wanting to admit that they they need help. I, I think I think there's a confusion if guys say I need help that they will assume that people think they're weak, and it's actually the opposite. If you're a guy who's willing to say I need help, you're actually really strong because you recognize that in order for me to be the kind of man that that I can be to benefit other people. I really need to be in a good place and I can't do that unless I get some help. So to say that I need to get some help is is really a sign of strength because you're honest enough to know that you need some resources and and help to kind of be the man that, that, that you want to be in the future, which is really, really extraordinary. There'll be other people from other fraternities across the country who are listening to this conversation. And I'm wondering for, for both of you, what, what sorts of things, how would you, how would you make a case for why caring about each other's mental health within your chapter 
is is a really important thing. How would you describe that? I mean, we're we're brothers for life. We've made this dedication for each other. Um, that's why we join the fraternity. Why wouldn't you want them to have the best possible life that they can? Uh, part of that is making sure that they can get the help that they need if they need it. Making sure that you are there for them when they need you to be there for them. It only takes a little bit of your time or your energy to go and make that little step that could potentially save someone's life. So in my eyes, there's no excuse to not just go that extra mile because it's not an extra mile. It's an extra 15 seconds of sending someone a text. Hey, are you doing okay? I haven't seen you around. I'm worried about you. It's walking 20 feet down the hallway, knocking on someone's door saying, hey, you haven't been to the last two chapter meetings. You said that you love chapter meetings. What's going on? Let's talk things through. It's just that little extra effort that goes such a long way for the people who are struggling and feeling like they're alone because they have this community here. They just need to be reminded that they can take advantage of it. Uh, yeah, I feel that uh, brotherhood as a whole, you would want them to do the same thing for you if you were struggling. So why wouldn't you do it for them? If, like Jamie was saying, if you see somebody struggling, if you were struggling, you would want them to reach out to you when you feel alone and you feel isolated. So you need to give that same support and that same care that you would expect that people, you would expect people to instill on yourself. I mean, that's what a, a brotherhood is. I mean, this is a exactly. family, right? And I think, I think if we actually want to be, if we want to say it's a brotherhood, we actually have to act like it. And, and that means that it's the good, the bad, and the ugly. And one of the, the, the invitations, I think, of being in fraternity is that you're pledging yourself to open yourself up so that guys can really speak into your life. And that means that you need to be willing to be vulnerable. And to, I'll say that this way, to do it when you're sober, because, you know, guys get vulnerable when they're drunk, right? It's like, oh, man, you know, like, that's when the tears come. That's when the I love you's come. That's when, like, I'm struggling, I need help. But we need to be able to be to be sober and vulnerable at the same time, which takes a lot more courage, actually, to to do that. And so the fact that I think you guys are zeroed in on that, I think if more fraternities were were centered in on those sorts of things, uh, it would just make the the entire culture and I think the entire campus culture a lot better. As we wrap up here, I'm wondering what would you hope for your chapter in the future in terms of of Quinn's legacy? What would you like to to have the chapter be thinking about and reflecting on in terms of of, of Quinn's experience? What sorts of things would you want his legacy to be in the chapter to remain as a part of the culture for generations and, and generations to come on the campus there? Well, I think part of his legacy is the amount of the impact that he made in the short time that he was a part of this chapter, he made a bond with every single one of the members. It didn't matter if you were the most shy guy in the world. He made an effort to go and talk to you and actually make some connection. He had something unique that he would be able to say and converse about with every single person in the chapter. So his biggest thing while he was here was impact. And the impact that he made after he was gone, I mean, his funeral had like 
close to what a thousand people at it. it. Insane. Like our it was almost every single chapter from Grand Valley, like Greek life wise, like they came to support. We are working together with them to get a memorial place on campus. I have a, a meeting with the dean uh, coming up soon. Uh, so we're trying to make sure that his legacy is not forgotten. But part of what we're doing to honor that is, like I mentioned, the, uh, the philanthropy event that we're doing. We're working hard as a chapter to make that go as smoothly as possible and raise as much money as possible. But the listeners, they can they can help. Uh, if they would like, uh, if they go to the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention's website uh, and then click on events, endurance events, and search ATO Kappa Lambda, it will show up uh, with our donation page. Uh, you can continue to donate from, well, uh, you can just you can just donate to it. There's not really a time limit, but this year's walk will be taking place from May 1st through May 8th. So, uh, Hey, follow us on Instagram. Pay attention to the walk. We're going to be posting a lot about it and continuing to make his legacy turn into something that helps other people as well. Uh, because he helped a lot of us just grow as people. And we sort of want to continue that on. Nice. How about, how about you, James? I wasn't in the chapter. We rushed at the same time. But once that happened, it really brought everybody together. And that culture has still continued to, till now. Uh, like James said, the philanthropy, all of that. But it really has uh, instilled a uh, camaraderie around here that everybody's here for each other. And I just want that legacy to continue on till after James graduates, after I graduate, just for generations of this chapter to come. I really think that it's an important thing to be there for each other. And not many chapters around the country uh, truly understand what that brotherhood means. It's not about just having buddies to go out and drink with, but really having people to be there for one another. And I hope that culture around this chapter stays for many, many years to come. Well, gentlemen, based on what I've heard uh, today, I think if, if, I was a, if I was rushing fraternity at GVSU, I'd be a fool uh, not to pledge ATL. I mean, you'd be, you'd be an idiot. Right. I mean, seriously, I mean, who doesn't want what you guys just said? I, I really am so encouraged. And I think if, if I was a parent and I was sending my kid uh, to G GVSU, I'm telling him, hey, you at least have to check these guys out. Even if you're not thinking about fraternity, you can, you know, rush a bunch, go visit them. But this is one of the ones you have to visit or you're not coming home for Christmas. Right. It's like you have to you have to at least go by and tell me that you were, were with these guys. And I, I think I think, you know, part of what that that legacy is, you know, you you, you mentioned, Lucas, that you guys are, are there for each other. And if, if that if that alone, if that alone is something that carries for generations and generations to come, your fraternity will not only be huge. Uh, but it'll also be sustainable and and you'll be living out the the exact words of the creed to to bind men together in a brotherhood and that's exactly what it, it seems that you guys are on the trajectory to do and and Quinn's contribution to that culture uh, will live on for generations to come there's a phrase in the eastern orthodox church when someone passes away that it, it says may their memory be eternal and and it's it's my hope and, and my prayer for for your chapter that Quinn's memory 
will be eternal uh, for for you and and for the brothers yet to come in your in your chapter, gentlemen. Thank you so much for telling us about your story and and Quinn's legacy. As I mentioned in the beginning of my book, I was on Instagram and I saw the posting about about Quinn's story. And it changed the whole trajectory of the project for me. And so I'm a massive, massive fan of your chapter. I've had some discussion with his mom, and she just really was so encouraging about how the brothers came around her and and supported her. It was just an extraordinary example of how heroic you guys are. I have this phrase where one of the things that it means to be a great man is to use your strength, your creativity, your power, your presence to to benefit your brothers and other people. The fact that you guys were so caring for his mother in this situation to be other centered, even in that, in that sense, beyond yourselves, caring about her is really, really extraordinary and really was a, was a blessing, blessing for her. So I'm extremely, extremely excited about your chapter's future. And I think with the kind of men that I've been talking to right now, if, if your chapter, if you guys represent the, the sort of basic core of of what your chapter is like in terms of the quality of men there it's it's an extraordinary place and, and like i said i think if i was rushing and pledging and thinking about that as a even as a high school uh, student but as a, as a freshman i would be an absolute fool uh, not to pledge this this fraternity gentlemen thank you thank you so much and it was it was a delight to have you on the show thank you yeah thank you thank you this was uh, an amazing opportunity for us to share a little bit about us um, and just share the experience of ATO. I mean, ATO is the way to go, uh, especially here at Grand Valley. Uh, we work a lot with the other fraternities here as well. The, the sort of campus culture is it's Greek life together. Like we support each other's philanthropy events. We we don't necessarily do targeted attacks on each other. It's not like us versus them. It's us trying to grow our community because we care about it and we know the impact that Greek life can make. So that's sort of our, our campus culture here. And I think this this podcast is a way for us to sort of get that message out that we're not, that Greek life isn't just some stereotypical guys drinking every weekend. Like it's something, it's something better than that. And I just wanted to say thank you for the opportunity for letting us come on and and share our our experiences and our stories. Yeah, you're welcome. And and part of my project is to help more and more more and more people across the country hear hear this story and really ignore what they hear in the news sometimes and ignore some of those really stupid movies out of Hollywood about about fraternity life because that is exactly not what most chapters are like. Uh, and so part of this project that I'm doing is helping people see that. So I, w- I was really glad to have, have you guys on. And thank you for your time today and for being on the Anthony Bradley Show. Appreciate it so much. I would also like to thank my Patreon supporters for their generous support of this project. If it were not for your generosity and support, this project would not be possible. You all are the most important part of this experience. Thanks to you all for joining us today on this episode of the Anthony Bradley Show. If you enjoyed it, please like, subscribe, and leave a comment on the various platforms where the podcast is heard. And I'll look forward to engaging you again here at the King's College in New York City on the Anthony Bradley Show.